I thought given the what we are going through at the present time, the, I would like to say post-COVID, but I don't think so. We are still in the midst of it as I am personally trying to uh, take a trip. I have to think about, do I have the right kind of mask and all those things? And I still do not go into stores without wearing my mask personally. So I think we, been through this for over two years now, but we haven't come out of it and completely on other side. I think it's the merely of negotiating how we go forward. So I thought it would be a really a good conversation to have, and I would like to have uh, maybe four or six episodes of having this conversation, hearing from all of you who are hearing, who will hear this, um, about how are you, how is your life has been um, since the COVID, and how are you negotiating the different aspects of your life? And also ask, do you remember what your life was like before the COVID? Because I find myself continuously saying, oh, that was a post-COVID. Oh, I haven't seen you for three years. I haven't seen you for two and a half years. This is nuts. But this is the world that we are living. And also what I have found is an extraordinary amount of an anxiety Sure, we hear about it in the news and I hear different people speak. But given the world I have li I'm living, that I have received a notes from so many people saying, oh my God, I am going through anxiety, my anxiety is over the, you know, through the roof, my children, and so on and so forth. So I think it's not just the people I hear from, I think it is all of us and so many different ways that we have to change how we view life and how we negotiate. So I thought it would be a really a good conversation to have with my dear friend. And when I say dear friend, and that's exactly what I mean, my dear friend, but also she is my yoga student. She comes to the sound healings and supports in every which ways, one of those angels in our lives. Her name is Donna Rogers, and she has a unique position to possibly start this conversation because Donna was a physical therapist, a craniosacral therapist, her background as uh, is she is retired. I think she when she used the word retire, I think she's very proud of it <laughs> because she did it for 40 years and she's she's out now. But that doesn't stop her from caring so many people in her lives. I'm sure it was before um, her um, occupation that she was always caring person. So you know how some people in our lives, they're, they are the, just the designated caregivers. I think Donna would have been that way no matter what profession she has chosen. But she happened to have been a physical therapist. So she has a 40 years hospital-based experience. And she has received bachelor's in physical therapy in 1978. So who's counting the years, right? And her master's in PT in 1993. Donna relocated to Palm Beach. In 1995, she pursued extensive training in craniosacral therapy through Upledger Institute while continuing to work full-time in leadership position in local hospitals. So Donna has been, uh, I would, I think was in charge of a physical therapy department in a local hospital and also integrating 
the alternative, which is, is no longer really an alternative, um, the therapy in this world that we are open to. So she was practicing both. So I am so happy that she is with me and we're going to just kind of have a conversation and I'm just going to ask. And so my question I'm going to address, uh, and if I missed anything, please let me know through email or whatever. How have you been facing this challenge in your life since the COVID? Well, first of all, thank you, Misun. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, facing COVID, the whole thing, it's, it's been very interesting. First of all, I retired in 2018. So I retired before COVID. And um, I, my whole family lives up in New England. So for me, I was basically isolated from my family, my siblings, my parents, my parents um, are up there too. So, you know, it was, it was a very difficult thing to not be able to go up and see family members. And here I thought, you know, I'm going to be retired. I'll be able to go and visit family and travel. And, and so all those things were pretty much shut down. That was a very difficult thing. Um, even just um, trying to, um, trying to care for um, my own, my own health during, during the COVID time was very difficult. I found myself that I was going to be going um, from my COBRA insurance to no insurance for about a year and a half before I hit Medicare age. And that happened exactly at the time that COVID hit. So for the year and a half that I was without insurance was when COVID was going on at its height. So there was quite a few challenges and quite a few feelings about um, having to just become quite isolated in the world. And even from um, family that was very close by, uh, my stepchildren live right here in the area and not being able to be close to them either because um, trying to keep safe, trying to keep from getting COVID as an elderly person and as my, my husband's elderly and trying to keep him safe. That's been very difficult, very challenging. But I'm sure also, as you speak about it, and I didn't realize that personally, my goodness, um, I did know somebody else, and you know, some people are further distance, so you almost get it from the news that people without insurance, but that's really a scary thing, yeah, given that, you know, as they say, one banana slip away from the bankruptcy, as you know, the people express, to going through the COVID and everything else, and you just retire, and you had no insurance, I mean, that is just the fear factor, right? I mean, we like to look at everything in a positive way, not just you, but I'm, I'm sure there's so many people out there in the world. I mean, talk about adding a stress on top of the stress. Yes. So, and then you know. the things that were giving me the most support would be for me, um, my church family, and we stopped going to church because we were, they, churches were shutting down at that, at, you know, early in the, in the pandemic. And because of our own health concerns for my husband, we did, we still have not gone back to brick and mortar church services. We just do online. So that's been quite a challenge to, um, you know, to not have that support. So looking for different ways of how do we take care of ourselves? How do we uh, do our own self-care? So do you think at this point that are you looking at like after COVID? Because we are slowly like a turtle coming out of the shell, doing a little mm -hmm. bit 
more or a lot more. So mm -hmm. how has your life been since all the vaccines and everything else? How's that changed? Much improved, much improved. Um, as, as far as starting to go back to uh, how to, you know, going back to just regular care for ourselves, uh, dental care, eye care, you know, going back to our regular checkups and things, making sure that we've, we're not letting those things fall through the cracks. Um, but still being really cautious about getting back into large groups, going back to church, going back and getting so involved again. Um, one of the big things that happened for me, though, during COVID was Zoom yoga. <laughs> So that was a huge thing that happened for me that um, was, was something that came during the pandemic, was something that I could do safely in my home for myself, for my own mental and physical and spiritual well-being. That was huge. Uh, what Donna's is talking about is I am a yoga teacher, as most of you know, and I taught a library in my studio. But when the COVID happened, literally within the hours of a notice, the post went up at library saying the yoga, you know, it's a no more yoga, that nobody's coming to library. I quickly shifted because I happened to have a very, very fortunate, I was so fortunate to have a person in my life who could literally flip this and put it online because actually it kind of started with my daughter saying to me, oh, mom, you can teach on a face, in a face, Facebook Live on yoga. And I said, oh, and as I thought through it, so we had to figure out how to teach yoga and through Zoom or through the, was another platform we were using. So that's how, even though I kind of knew Donna from the library, but that's how she comes in. And it's, yes, it certainly gave a lot of people something to look forward to, something to see each other, at least we, we're connecting in some level, but that was completely different than that anything we were used to. And I'm so technically challenged. So for me to conceive that I could actually have something online, it was, it was like a dream or impossible. But mm -hmm. again, because the necessity of the mother of invention, not that I did it because I had somebody else who could do it. Mm -hmm. So that, that came about. So that's what Donna's talking about in terms of live yoga and that. Yeah. I still find that even um, as things are easing up, that I'm still not ready to fly up north to see my family, um, although they have been coming down here to visit, which is nice, so I'm getting to see them. Um, as they come down and visit to Florida, since it's been winter and they're, you know, chomping at the bit to get out of the cold and come down to Florida. So that's nice. Um, but I'm, I, you know, I, I consolidated almost everything that I do to one or two stores and very limited running around to uh, shopping. Everything's online. I do a lot of online shopping and things and have things delivered. And I don't think that's going to change. There's a lot of things that just aren't going to go back to the way that they used to be. Um, so that's, you know, that there's a lot of changes that are, have happened that are, are just, uh, I think, going to stick with us. I'm sure you're still in contact with the, all your associates from the workers and things. How has their ability to give cares has changed? Do you want to speak some about that in terms of? Yeah, that's, I think that's been very difficult. I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussions about uh, not just being burnt out by the volume of patients that can go up and down as the pandemic has waxed and waned, 
um, that's been so difficult for them. Um, the fear of bringing home illness to their family, to their children, and many of them have gotten sick and have had their children got, get sick with COVID um, and, you know, thankfully have recovered. Um, you know, been, been very cautious about where are we going to bring it to grandma and grandpa and are they going to not be able to fight, fight to, you know, to recover from it. Um, so there's been a lot more fear for them um, with going to work and coming home and um, and not only that, but just um, the fact that it's, you know, you have to deal with people that are coming into the hospitals and especially in the hospital, because that's where I always worked, um, that are very ill and uh, and may or may not have decided to get vaccinated now that there is a vaccine. And how do you deal with that if you feel like that there was something that they could do and they didn't choose to do it? And now here they are very, very ill and maybe it didn't have to happen that way. And how do you how do you reconcile that? You know, there's just so many issues, moral issues, and it's not just, you know, it's not just uh, cut and dry. There's an awful lot of issues that people are dealing with today at work. Well, that's absolutely true. So which means an anxiety level of so many ways has just uptake, you know? Yes. Um, also, they have to make a decision. Do they want to stay in in the occupations they have chosen, thinking that yes. they were going to retire? You were fortunate enough that you retired before this happened. Yes. A lot of people was caught in the midst of it. And dealing with children that were not in school you know, had to suddenly be home and doing virtual learning and whatnot. And what do these moms do? And it, when they, even when they went back to school, having to, you know, if, if the school closed down again and they had to come home, what do the moms do with their jobs? So it was quite difficult for some of the younger moms that had children and um, had to decide, you know, what am I going to do? Do I stop working or do I cut back on my hours and take per diem work or lose some of my benefits. And geez, very difficult decisions to be made in these last few years. Uh, without a doubt, uh, you know, and not just on everywhere, when all the working moms uh, yeah. are working dads who had to care for the children. It's absolutely true. And I think probably structurally, the world has changed because I've been hearing more about people lately, and I'm sure we all have, is that people are literally quitting their jobs or if they get laid off, they're almost looking at as a um, blessing because mm -hmm. they saying because what they realize, I think all of us are realizing, not just they, but me, you, everybody, is that uncertainty of life we are embracing, you know, not also what's going on in the world, but that we think we all live to control our lives. We all think we have a control. The reality of the matter is that's not true, but it kind of happened to other people. We thought we kept our thumb on our lives. But what I think COVID has taught us more than anything, because it came so personal to right into our house, into our bedroom, into everywhere, is that we didn't have a control. And most of it, and we had to control what we could control, you know, and just letting go of a lot of things, which is a huge lesson. Most of us never get to learn that kind of lesson because I think by nature, we are procrastinators as human beings. We keep postponing. 
But some of the things we just could not avoid. We just had to learn and deal with it or, or literally die, right? Or have a nervous yes. breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I think lots of people are, are having literally nervous breakdowns. So I guess this conversation is how do we help as human being who exists in this planet? Other hand, how, how do we help ourselves as well as help others? So do you have any thought on in terms of not only your situation, you know, that you are a caregiver within your personal life, and mm -hmm. also since you are the, the, the mother caregiver anyway by nature, just because pandemic happened, that didn't stop. So you had to help with people over the phone, over the Zoom, over FaceTime, right? So yeah. how has that been like for you? Yeah, yeah, I feel like um, one of the most important things is sharing. And I've always been like that, where I always felt like I needed to share whatever I'd been going through, whatever difficulty I'd been struggling with, the most important thing I could do was to share it with everybody else. Um, as, as an older person <laughs> in the hospital setting, I, I always wanted to share what I was going through with the younger therapists so that um, I always felt like, you know, this is something they may encounter in their lives as they grow older. And, um, you know, maybe this will help them. My experience will help them know how to navigate um, through situations. Uh, and, um, and I, and I think when, when you share, you, you start to feel that you're not the only one that's going through different things that um, lots of people are struggling with similar situations. Um, one of the things that's been most remarkable for me in the COVID situation, we became so isolated that we weren't really talking a lot to each other, even though we were Zooming and FaceTiming and whatnot, there was still a, a great degree of isolation and when you started to things calm down and people started talking again to each other and maybe even started to visit each other and shared what was going on and the struggles that they were having they were finding that yeah everybody's struggling with this lots of moms are struggling with this one of the things that i thought was really amazing was that some you know social media gets a bad rap a lot of times and i think social media was at least the way I use it, was very instrumental in helping people to come together and see that we could support each other. We could share uh, ways that we were um, successfully managing and navigating dif difficulties through this time and encourage each other and lift each other up and give each other some encouragement when we were struggling. And I thought that was really a positive part of social media. For me, it definitely was throughout. I think you're absolutely right. Like everything else in life, I mean, the social media should be criticized for a lot of things that has taken place. Mm -hmm. And it should be praised for the, all the also good things that has taken place. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like everything else in life, it is how we use the tools that we have developed, the tools that is given to us in every which way, you know, so literally uh, uh, the drug that can save you could also kill you. Yeah. You know, that there are tools that, you know, you, you can drive your car, it will take you to where you need to go, or you can drive up the cliff or blow the yeah. engine up. Yeah. So the social media, the way you use it, way I use it, and at least all the people that I know is, um, we, you know, we don't abuse it. I do not 
uh, I only talk about personally the way I use the social media, and I was always that way before pandemic anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't put a lot of personal things because like, good Lord, who, not, who needs to see a lot of things? Maybe you know, some people do, but at least I don't, I don't. So the things that I talk about is really the things I want to share about spirituality, about the beautiful flower that I saw. Although I think today my friend just uh, texted me the pictures of manatee getting released. I mean, mm -hmm. things that brings joy and share and any information like that. So I think the way we use it, yes, social media has been so helpful because it gave us the ability to connect with each other. I think that's been huge. So it kind of it 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 struts on both side, you know. It's again, it's 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 not the tool that we should be complaining about. It's the user, the one who used the tool. There's been so many lessons through the pandemic, many many lessons, and um, you know, with through social media, I was able to participate in a different way in things like weddings up with my family, you know, I have five brothers and sisters and many, many nieces and nephews. And so there have been weddings and babies being born and lots going on in New England where I haven't been able to go up and participate in person, but I've been able to feel like I was a part of it. Kids graduating from this school and that school and high school and whatever school and you know college. And, and uh, so instead of feeling so isolated and left out, I was able to be included in, in different ways. And um, that, that was huge. That's a huge thing to, to have that ability. Um, uh, and to be able to encourage people, people that were struggling with COVID and trying to get well and asking for prayer and being able to get together and encourage people, that, that's huge. Um, some of the things that I was sharing was things that I was involved in, growing, you know, cultivating caterpillars on my, on my patio and growing uh, you know, the caterpillars into monarch butterflies and releasing them on my patio. <laughs> you know, things that I was doing for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, let's speak about that for a couple of seconds because that's I had an opportunity to go up to Donna's balcony and watch the caterpillar. And I shall never see another caterpillar um, <laughs> same way as I used to. Now I look at it and literally I, was walking by the stairs and I did see, I didn't tell you I did see a caterpillar and I did went and got a leaf and kind of scooped it up gingerly and put it back in, in into where the trees were um that's something you know um maybe I would have done because I don't I try to not to kill anything you know I am a Buddhist and try to save him put it but when I saw a caterpillar it just never necessarily dawned on me but since I saw you because Donna literally is growing caterpillar in her balcony on the seventh floor and keep it into this um what do you, what do you call it's it's a habitat I have a screened in habitat so that they when they um well caterpillars will wander around so i don't want them to wander off and make their chrysalises in strange places so they will make them inside of the enclosure and the butterflies will hatch inside there and then i can release them after i've made sure they had a good meal <laughs> well again it isn't just like a putting a caterpillar into the you know this uh, device yeah. or uh, and and habitat, habitat yeah. and just gonna grow. Donna has to feed them and care for them, and is very specific what they get fed. Yeah. And then and and you did make a comment about there was a plant that they eat, 
Yeah. And you said that cannot go to. Yes, it's Mex or? Mexican, right? It's Mexican milkweed that I uh, use. And my sister in Vermont wanted me to send her some seeds. And I said, oh, I can't do that because this particular milkweed, it has information in it for the caterpillars that tells them that they don't have to leave this area, that they can live here year round. And if she grows that in Vermont, then the cat, then the, the butterflies won't, and the caterpillars will think that they can stay there, and they can't because the it it gets too cold in the winter time, and they would die. So they need to know in Vermont that they have to go to Mexico for the winter, <laughs> and they won't know that. We live in a in a subtropical down here, and they can stay here year round, but they can't in Vermont. They need to migrate. Right now, that sounds like almost almost like a simple uh, statement that you're making, but that's huge. Yeah. To actually, you know, when you were telling me that actually the tree itself has a DNA information that caterpillar can consume. This is not a spoken language. It's yeah. not something you read. They understand innately that by eating that that it's been blueprint has been transmuted that they don't have to go to mexico and it could kill them yeah. so is that where we plant is such an important thing and that's just huge thing that you were doing but what's also beautiful is that literally that you watch the caterpillar become a butterfly step by step then when it comes, you try to also, because I have been privileged to listen to this, that you make sure that they get a good drink with the Gatorade or whatever, yeah. so they can, they have enough strength to fly out and be okay, yeah. even though they only live for about two weeks, right? Yeah, they, they don't live very long. Yep, they live for a few weeks. They, you know, they mate and then they lay their eggs and start all over again. Um, but again, then uh, that onto itself is amazing. So, you know, mm -hmm. maybe Amazon or whatever we, the place will be selling their habitat everywhere. Yeah. I know my grandchildren, when I send photos, they will yeah. be looking for one. Yeah. But other thing is, that was one of the ways that you found to stay connected, found yeah. something to give you a joy, right? Instead of just being locked up, which was yeah. a lot of us was feeling. So you live in a condo that you place the habitat on your balcony and grew yeah. the butterfly, really. Yeah, and, and all I kept thinking was, I'd love to have children come and see this whole process, but I really can't invite children into my home and expose my husband perhaps to COVID, you know, and, and he might get sick or something. So. Uh, I could show through social media different videos and pictures and whatever, and and they would be shared for for children to see and for families and whatnot. And um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting right now. Not only am I being a caregiver for my husband, but I'm actually being a caregiver right now for a painted lady butterfly that was hatched and didn't really develop correctly, so that it has a deformed wing, and so it can't fly. So it's growing up and living in my dining room until uh, until it passes away. <laughs> so for the next few weeks, it's going to live a wonderful life in my dining room. Well, <laughs> actually, let me ask you, because I guess it depends on the definition as people listening to this, is that even though it cannot fly, when I was seeing you, when I don't know, I moved my finger wrong way and 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 he or she it moved literally like yes. a flying move moved away so it, it kind yes. of does fly not in it a flutter yeah it flutters around and i and yesterday i was so excited i i was tearing up 
because I had it on my finger and it flew about a foot or two to towards the window. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a clumsy fly and it's not like I can really release it out in the wild because I'm sure it would be eaten by a bird or something pretty darn quick. So, <laughs> right. so yeah, I, I'm uh, keeping it in the house, but, but we do therapy every day. You can do physical therapy on a, on a butterfly apparently. <laughs> so okay. we do exercises and drink Gatorade every day. <laughs> and making sure, so since we have talked about all this, so the, the tree, the kind of tree we're talking about is? Oh, the, the milkweed. Milkweed, okay. Yeah, it's Mexican. It's a Mexican milkweed that I use, but milkweed is the plant that monarch butterflies need. Okay. But yeah, so that's the only thing they eat. Mm -hmm. So those of you who didn't have any idea what butterfly ate, now you do. <laughs> Yeah, for so, monarch butterflies, they have to have milkweed. Okay, now I'm going to really, really try to stay until that would be like, you know, <laughs> Jeopardy question. Um, so what other ways did you find? I mean, because that's, that's huge. And, and were you into butterfly before? No. Oh, so this is literally came because of the COVID. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's huge. Uh, because if it wasn't for the COVID, you would not have ever, ever possibly done it. Right? Just like online yoga that you would have never conceived of doing it because why? Because you can just go to class, right? Yeah, right, so, right. so a lot of us had to make changes and the things yeah. has changed that we're going to keep in our lives. Yeah. Did you have to do anything else differently or the things to bring the joy into your life? Yeah, um, I, I also, I was doing rock painting at the library. When you were doing yoga, I was teaching rock painting um, at the library. Um, and I continued doing that because that was something I could do in my home, paint, paint some little messages or pictures on rocks. And then as I was walking around Old Port Cove and um, just exercising and stuff, I could put them out on the seawall for people to find. And so it was a way that I I would walk around the next day and, and hopefully they were picked up by someone. So I felt like I was connecting with people, even though I didn't see who picked them up, but um, you know, it helped me feel a little less isolated and like I was connecting with people and spreading joy. That was really nice. And how did you find in terms of a negotiating um, way you help with people? Was it, you know, the families, friends that, you know, they, they were in your life maybe before they saw you and now they're no longer. So did you continue to stay uh, helping? Or were you the still, did you play the same role? I guess that's the question. With with the same people or with different people? With the different people, all, all the different people there who came in and who, who goes out, you know, yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but I can tell you that there, that I do did make some new friends during the pandemic. Um, people that needed to have somebody help them with things, and who were um, extremely in an isolated situation, who became part of my pod, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I was able to um, to connect with them and cautiously invite them into my pod so that I could help them. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just a God thing where you know that, um, you know, God put them in your life for you to uh, get involved and that it's a safe situation for you to go ahead and um, trust that it's safe for you to um, engage with them and help them and become involved and 
slowly it just evolved into a very close relationship where um, I was helping this one person in particular um, quite a bit. And it was just a lovely, lovely thing that just evolved beautifully and organically over time throughout this whole pandemic couple of years into a really close relationship. So again, the new relationships that it might have not been so involved if it wasn't for the COVID. So those are the new yes. things that come in. But yes. in terms of a people that who was in your life before, mm-hmm. did you find it and they're still going through the crisis and possibly they're going through even more crisis because mm-hmm. of the COVID, um, whether it's asking you about physical therapy situation or you know just emotionally. And since you do have somebody you have to care for within your home all the time, mm-hmm. how did, did you have anything left to give out there or was it their mm-hmm. needs were even bigger? And, and how did you feel at times Sometimes I felt like, um, you know, I, I really struggled to, with the, um, uh, with the, the, I can hardly say it with the word, no, <laughs> right. the word, no, is a really difficult concept for me. You know, I just always want to say, yes, I always want to, um, serve people and just put myself last and just keep going and, um, oh, sure. I can do that. And yes, I can put that on my list. I can add it. I can add. And, um, So, you know, one of the things that the pandemic did was um, it it really did make you kind of step back and pause and say, wait a minute, I don't know if it's safe for me to add everything onto my plate. And so I do have to think uh, on another layer, if it's safe for me to say yes all the time, not just for myself, but am I going to go out and do something and then come home and, and bring COVID to my husband? And that would be a disaster. And so you know, what is my yes going to cost? And, and, and can I really learn? Maybe this is a time for me to really learn how to say no and to, um, and to, you know, to think a little bit more about what's safe and what's not and what, what should I be doing and what should I not be doing? That's, that's difficult for me. It's very difficult. And I'll tell you, I've made like leaps and bounds really just in me kind of in the last few weeks. So I'm still struggling with it, that's for sure, and evolving. But in the last few weeks, I've um, started to come up another step with that in um, not just thinking about asking people for help, but actually doing it and um, going another step forward with that and, and not just saying no to some things, but saying, will you help me with, you know, and can you do this for me? And that's huge. That's huge for me because it's not something that comes easy for me. I'm always wanting to do for you. Right. So really what you're talking about is that I asked the question is, you know, how do you say no and how and as more that stuff that it came in with the new things, you had to let go over some other things. But also what you're talking about, which is a lot of women particularly suffer from, mm-hmm. is that ability to ask for help. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know that we think we can do it, and or not only we think we can do it, but we think we're weak by asking for help. So I think that ability to learn to ask, you know, there's many reasons why we don't ask for help, mm-hmm. and in getting to the place that you are comfortable enough with yourself, realize this is not a vulnerability, this is not a weakness. 
but given the situation, given the surviving through this pandemic and everything else has forced us, if we don't ask for some help, we are just literally gonna break our back, right? Are literally yes. going to have a nervous breakdown. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So getting to the place that asks for the help. So obviously you didn't have a nervous breakdown and you didn't break your back, but you found that really profoundly it's wonderful. Yes. To be yeah. able to ask for the help. Yes, yes. And and you know what a gift that is to, for other people to for you to um, ask for their help and allow them to help you because um, you know when you are somebody who does a lot for other people all the time, um, people do want to bless you and do something for you, and um, it's it's um, it's not a very kind thing for you to not accept that <laughs> to just sit there and and not allow them to reciprocate in any way. No, that is absolutely true. But most of us understand that intellectually, but mm -hmm. we have a terrible time accepting. I'm, I'm one of them, I used to be. And now what I realize is when I do not allow other people to exercise their grace, their, their capacity yes. to, to love, then actually I'm, I'm the one who's being, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, is that I'm depriving them. I am mm -hmm. literally depriving yes. them of a joy that I get to feel a lot because I get to do a lot of things for people that kind of custom to it. But mm -hmm. so I want all the joy of giving, but I don't necessarily want them to have, well, it would be translated a little bit like that, but it is. Yes. So is that understanding that we're not going to fall apart and that everybody can do something mm -hmm. and it will bring them so much joy and certainly takes a lot of things off our plate, right? If we allow other people to do things. Yes, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. so that's a huge, huge lesson for, for you yeah. as well mm -hmm. as everyone. So as going forth, and I'm sure you and I are not the only one who has experienced this throughout the pandemic. Some uh, has flourished and grow, has grown from this experience and it's not a whole lot of it because we had a lot of choice about it because we were forced to the given the isolation and given the this frightening situation but in other hand that because of it that every single one of us either had a nervous breakdown or grew right yes and, and you know one of the things about that is um it, it's making me think that you can hear god's whisper or you can not listen to the whisper and cause him to shout. And I'm really glad that I was able to hear the whisper and respond rather than waiting for a big loud shout, which can sometimes be a real catastrophe in your life that makes everything come to a screeching halt and forces you to make changes in your life. And, um, and I didn't have to you know, have the nervous breakdown or have the big trauma or catastrophe to figure out some of these things and figure out that, you know what, I, I need to figure out how to say no. And I need to figure out how to accept help from people and, um, you know, balance my life better and set boundaries better in my life. And so those are some huge lessons, huge lessons. Well, those are life challenging lessons, you know, the yeah. lifetime lessons. So I guess with the, one of the questions that I posed earlier was the how do we negotiate with ourselves and being in what you said is an ability to say no, mm -hmm. kind way without, mm -hmm. you know, having a bridge blow up, but yeah. the kind way then and also saying I need 
you know, right, that I need, and how to care for yourself. Because I think a lot of us, unfortunately, that you tell me that we have to get to that edge almost completely dissolving into nothing before we figure out that I need some help. It would yeah. be much nicer if we could ask ahead of time. But I think a lot of people who will be listening to this program going to identify with you and as well as with me, a lot of us, it took us literally to that brink of edge to realize, you know, saying, I need some help. That mm -hmm. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. That I, everybody's are capable of doing something, mm -hmm. right? So how do you think that's going to change your life going forward as how you deal with everyone and yourself? Well, you know, in our yoga class, when I started doing virtual yoga with you, um, one of the things you always said was go to your edge, go to your edge. And I, I love that. And in yoga, you would, when you were stretching and I have a, I had a very stick, stiff neck when I started doing yoga and I would go to my edge, which maybe would be nowhere, you know, just a couple of inches this way, that's it. And I would just be very tender and gracious with myself and go to my edge and go to my edge. And then I would find that my edge would, would move, you know, and now I could go to this farther edge, you know, but I thought it was such a beautiful, beautiful way of looking at life too, just to go to my edge and that my edge would move. My edge was changing as I stretched and moved and exercised and breathed. And, and, um, but I always was aware of just that all I had to do was to go to my edge. That's all. And, um, be graceful with myself and, and be gracious and, and tender. And that's all we have to do. And that is such a beautiful metaphor because at the end of the day, you know, at each class then when I talk about that you can stop at your edge, that you don't have to push any further there and be happy with that yeah. you have pushed yourself to that end. And yeah. that kind of metaphor plays out in everything because little by little, the things do change and whether it's our mm -hmm. muscle or whether yeah. it's our thought process, of course, the very subject we're talking about, this pandemic that shut down the world, that we were pushed to our edge again about yes. how to negotiate, how to get what we need, what to do. So from that place, it's the same metaphor that we get there, yeah. but then know that um, when you're doing the best you can, that's all you can do. You can't right. ask for any more from yourself or anyone else. Right. You would say it, go to your edge. And that is perfect. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> this, this little thing, that's perfect. <laughs> right. But in actually in your world, which I, I would just, because one of the things that you share with us, because you're talking about just the, something is, is what to me, a lot of people sounds like a turning your neck should be simple, but lots of people can't turn their neck. They can't mm -hmm. look. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you share is that I think with your C6 and seven, you have yes, a better part. I started getting a dowager hump, right? A little hump in my neck, my back or whatever. Yes. And, and you went to do some exercise because you saw when on the I, um, online, I, some exercise for that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that only to realize that it was gone. Right. I went to look in the mirror and see how, you know, how much of a hump I still had. And I was like, oh, I don't have a hump anymore. <laughs> and it's because I'd been doing yoga now for a year and a half or so or more. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. because you were turning your neck back and forth in your edge and you were moving. Right. So without even realizing. So that's a perfect example of what happens, you know, yeah. just going and doing little by little. Yeah. So that's so in your world, um, do you think the more positive has come out of this or more negative? More positive. I really do. I think the, you know, I, I know that that sounds kind of crazy because everybody thinks that the pandemic has been just so horrible, but um, I don't know. I've, I've always been a glass half full kind of person and um, I'm, I'm always, you know, I, I look for the positive in everything and I do see a lot of positive coming out. I see people helping people. I see, you know, me learning a lot about how to negotiate life and to love people in a different way and to uplift people and you know just a lot has changed for me and it's, and it's in a positive way um learning about myself learning about other people learning about uh how to be a caregiver um connecting up with other people who are caregivers through the pandemic um you know there's other people in my building that are um women caring for their husbands through the pandemic um, and struggling with different things. And we've we've gotten together and talked to each other. And it's, it hasn't been a lot, but it's been enough to connect with each other, to, to know that they're there and to know that I can call this one or I can call that one if I need to talk a little bit. And, and it certainly helps me when we do make those connections and we talk to each other and we share what we might be struggling with that particular day. Well, you've given a lot of good example for other people to use in terms of as beginning of the conversation. And I think this conversation will continue about anxiety level because mm. oftentimes they're just overwhelmed and you have nowhere to turn, but that you are talking about talking to your neighbors, reaching mm. out, uh, and then knowing that you're not the only one who's going through that somebody else is going through uh, mm-hmm. the same thing as you are. Maybe they have a different issue, but still the anxiety is anxiety, depressions, depressions. Um, so I think you have given a lot of people, whether it's a growing the butterfly or trying to you know figure out something. So bring some joys and different things in your life to make up for instead of lamenting what has gone by what you have lost but yeah. bringing which is really an important factor mm-hmm. because we have a tendency to oftentimes lament on our losses and focus on that as one of the things that we do talk about in yoga again and again is we grow what we pay attention to yes. so whether it's our thoughts uh, whether it is vegetable in your garden whatever that we put our attention is the very thing that we grow. So I think you have given a great deal of example uh, to the people who are, are listening to this. And I hope they understand because so many, and you and I are very, very fortunate as, as maybe part, part of our personalities and things. We have a capacity to connect with people and draw, you know, draw people out. But there's a lot of people out there. They are such an introvert. And so um, I wouldn't say the word scare, but they are so inward that -hmm. they are really, really having a difficulty trying to come out of the uh, depressions and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendation in terms of, you know, by little steps, baby steps, how Mm -hmm. can they do something 
maybe they can't afford a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist and everything else, but what is the little things you think they could do mm. to get themselves feeling better? Mm. I think it, you know, the masks and um, the masks really did a lot of harm to that, to the whole connection thing between people because you really couldn't see what people were, you know, you couldn't connect very easily with people, especially in Florida where you were probably wearing a mask and sunglasses. So you couldn't see anything. <laughs> you couldn't make any connection with people. And I think that now that people are starting to take the masks off and you're seeing people, you know, the smile is such an important thing. Just smiling when people are walking by and, I, what I was noticing was that during the pandemic, when people had the masks on and I was walking um, for my daily exercise, a lot of times people weren't even making eye contact. They would walk right by each other and not even say hello because they had these masks on. And, you know, you can still talk to people with masks on and you can you can certainly with them off be smiling and saying hello to people, acknowledging that we're here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that was something that. I always did throughout the whole pandemic was say hello, good morning, you know, whatever. And that was, I think sometimes people were like, you know, kind of shocked because they didn't expect it. But I think we should be doing more of that. We should really be, you know, trying to reconnect with people. People were got, got really afraid of other people for a while there. And we need to stop that and start engaging with people again and recognizing that we're here. I'm here. Say hello to me, you know, right. Just say hello to me. <laughs> And I, I think that is such an important point. So how do we take a baby steps to come out of this? You know, how do we improve our lives? Um, because at the end of the day, when you improve, mm -hmm. your environment improve, your community yes. improve. Yeah. Um, so to be aware and, and when we improve somebody else and somehow if we make their day a little bit better, my yeah. day get better. So that understand the total connection, you know, that you cannot destroy somebody without destroying yourself. You cannot mm -hmm. love somebody without mm -hmm. having that love come back to you. So in so many ways that I think we all need to, like you say, participate back in, because also during the pandemic, it's not only we had to wear a mask, but we had to be about 12 feet away from each other. Yeah. So mm -hmm. which that made it even worse. Yes, yes. When we were walking, we, some, you know, somebody would be on the sidewalk, the other person would walk out on the grass to you know, give you a wide berth kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Power of Thank You. And that's another thing is just talking, saying something. Hello, thank you. Yeah. You know, speaking when you're having any kind of interaction with people. Um, I remember when we were little and my mother would tell us, you know, to do something and she would just say, just acknowledge that you heard me. Okay, you know, <laughs> or no, I don't want to say something. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. And, I, and, and again, I think because we're not as much as introvert as a sum, and I think you and I have been very, very fortunate. Mm -hmm. But the, the reality is there's a teenagers, there's children, there's elderly, been so isolated. Mm -hmm. And it is how do we help one another? Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest place is that remember that when you are, the, the small act of a kindness mm -hmm. is to just like you said, say hello and acknowledge their being. And mm -hmm. that everybody has a certain amount of apprehension approaching new people. 
-hmm. but don't be so scared because I always wonder long before pandemic, whenever I was in the elevator, I would say hello to everyone because what I saw was an incredible amount of shields that came right down. When mm -hmm. people saw you, they just kind of look at their shoes. And I just thought it was such a bad thing. It's like we are in a little cubicle in an elevator and the people just dropped their shields. Mm -hmm. And I think though, maybe the pandemic has also taught us is that we are all in this together. Yes. That, you know, and, and, and it's, it takes a lot of energy to keep your shields down. Yeah. So it's much easier if you live in the world that you think everybody's out to get you. Can you imagine how much energy it takes to try to, you know, keep them um, like keep your car? It mm -hmm. is so much easier if you can go through this world thinking mm -hmm. that everybody is there to help you. Maybe it's not always that case. And I, perhaps I sound like a Pollyanna, but at least in the my world that I live, I found that by staying open, um, that acknowledging their their grace, that they are everybody's pretty much there to help me, and maybe few, maybe who's not in my camp, but that's okay. I have more in my camp than less, but that's that's for me has been a biggest lesson, and I think so. If there's anything that I would say to the listeners on this podcast, I would say make a connection, make an eye connection, mm -hmm. uh, say hello, and and don't be so afraid because at the end of the day, as the title of the podcast, we're all got, still going to die. And when we're all going to die, I only mean we're going to exit this body of ours. So to trying to keep something that is inevitable, the fear is ludicrous, I think. So live, you know, we need to live our life uh, openly as possible, as lovingly as possible. And I think that we have so much more to learn and there's so much more to do, but at least that this is kind of start of it. So what, what uh, I think you already talked about your lessons and how you're going to negotiate. So, so let's say, I don't know, a year from now, we come out of, come out of this. What would, do you see a changing in your life that you're not doing now? Well, you know, one of the things you said was, do you think life will go back to the same after the pandemic is way over? And, um, and I don't, and I don't, I don't hope for it to go back to the same. I hope for it to be better. I really do. I hope for all these lessons that I've learned um, about my own self, about self-care, about loving other people, about looking for the needs in other people. Um, even uh, the things we've learned about mental health during all of this are huge. Um, our church just had a, a meeting the other day for parents on um, a parent support group on how do you help your children and your teenagers with mental health issues. And I went to it because I, I don't have any children, but I thought, well, you know what? I know a lot of people that do, you know, and I'd like to be able to learn a little bit about that and, and have some tools in my toolbox to be able to share with people who do have children who might be struggling at this time. And you know what, lo and behold, even though I don't have children, I do have, you know, friends and a mind of my own and people in my life who are struggling and all the principles that they talked about work just as well with adults as they do with children. And, uh, you know, most of the time I'm just a big kid anyway. And so it was really very, very helpful to learn some tools about, you know, mental health and how to deal with it. 
So, you know, we're, we're really looking into a lot of things that maybe we wouldn't have been looking at if not for the pandemic. So things may be getting better, no, not, not the same. Yes, the price was huge that what we all have to pay, yes. but yes. possibly our reward must, might be much bigger. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really a positive way to end this, um, this segment. And um, I, I actually, I can't think of a better way to end it. Yeah, the, the price was high, but the yeah. reward that way for us, the possibility of that we can improve as a human being, our capacity to improve, improve this earth, sounds like it's a really, really, really a happy ending. Thank you for sharing all that information. I hope this thank is you. helpful to everybody. And that's it. And thank you so much, Donna, for talking to me. Thank and, you. And talking to the rest of us. And for any of you who's out there who's interested in different subjects, I think we, we are going to continue about anxiety levels and depressions and all that. So maybe more specific, how how does you know if anybody has a very specific problems and trying to figure out negotiate, and we can have that conversation as well. Thank you very much, Donna, again, and have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.